Okay, so I think we have the whole purpose. Drawing, you have to learn, you have to practice, you have to do it. Screwing in a screw, construction, you have to practice. Um, I was going to say, I'm sure there's lots of people out here that have been getting lots and lots of practice over the years, and some of them may get more practice than what they want. And then fielding sports, we have to practice. So if you have your sheets, does everybody have a sheet that as they walked in, they were handing those out? If you don't have a sheet, maybe raise your hand. Raise your hand high and somebody will get you. I'm going to pick on my boys right there. Grab some. And then if you don't have a Bible, also kind of raise your hand because you will need that. So the sheets and the Bibles. But um, the first thing, if you have your sheet, the first thing is we make discipleship too hard. We make discipleship too hard. Because as we looked at those things, the drawing the minion, construction, fielding the ball, I think I could do those. I think I could do those. I mean, I look at that and I go, man, that's it? That looks pretty easy. That's it to put a screw in? That looks pretty easy. That's it to fill the ground ball? Looks pretty easy. We, we make it really hard. And a lot of times we make it too hard because we think, well, if I learned more, if I did more, if I do this, then I can disciple. I mean, a lot of churches have classes like, you know what, you're not allowed to lead until you go through Discipleship 101, Discipleship 102, Discipleship 103, Discipleship 104. Now you can go and disciple. Well, the thing is, as I thought about this, as we look at the, the Word of God, as we look at the Bible, the book of Acts, none of, none of the apostles, the guys that were with Jesus, none of them had a Bible. None of them knew they were supposed to be taking notes when they were walking around with Jesus. They just paid attention and then went out and redid it. And that's what happens a lot of times when we're at a job. We pay attention, they give us somebody new, we train them the way we are trained, and we go on. And so we make discipleship too hard. That's the first one, discipleship. Now, the second one is discipleship is an intentional interaction within a community. An intentional interaction within a community. Now, what do I mean by intentional? We have to be intentional about doing this. You know, for me, I'm a morning person, but I still have to be intentional about getting my alarm set, getting my shower, getting the kids around, and getting out of the house on time to get to where I need to be on time. I have to be intentional about that. Because if I'm not, I'll look at my watch and go, oh man, I was supposed to leave 10 minutes ago. I got this to do. You're running around, and then I'll be late. That means I'm being intentional about it. And the same thing is with discipleship. If we're not intentional, it doesn't happen. You know, have you ever thought, you know what, I should call such and such? And then three days later, and you're like, oh man, I forgot to call him. I should call him. Then three more days later, I should call him. Three more days later, you see him and you go, hey, I was thinking about you. I was going to call you. And you're kind of like, yeah. But realistically, what needs to happen is when you get that feeling, I should call them, encourage them, pray for them. You just need to do it right then and there. Or you need to do something so it happens. This past week, um, I needed to sign um, McKenna up for story hour at the library. So I went into my phone. I was real intentional. It started at 9.15. I put the dad in there. I put the alarms on, you know, on my phone so it'd start beeping. 9.15 came, and I was like, hey, I need to sign up for story hour. 
Oh, that starts in 15 minutes. Can you call back in 15 minutes? Okay. I'm like, okay. So I put the phone down. You know, I redid the alarm system, you know, for 9.30. I called back at 9.30. Like, oh, the person isn't here yet. I said, can you just take my information and put it in now? And she goes, oh, you just call back in 15 minutes. And I said, you don't understand. In 15 minutes, I'm probably going to have forgotten. And then I'll remember like in a week, and then I'll call them and be like, oh, it's full. And I'm like, oh. But that's being intentional. That's what I mean by being intentional. And you have to do it within a community. Just because you're intentional, if you're all over the place, that doesn't accomplish anything either. One of my buddies, he was the best man in my wedding. I've harassed him about this for years. He has the ability to attract a crowd. I mean, I've never met a person that isn't his friend. I mean, he just has that ability. But the thing is, anytime he ever gets a group together, he talks about the same Bible story. And I'll never forget the first two or three times we'd get together and he was giving the same points. And I was like, yeah, this is good. But by the third time I was going, did he forget he talked about this last week? But the thing was, he was great at drawing the community, but he wasn't great about intentionally teaching them something once they got there. We have to not only be intentional about getting them together, but we have to be intentional about what are we going to teach them. So, discipleship is an intentional interaction with the community. Um, the second thing is, our strategies, strategies need to be planned and organized. Now, anybody that's a type A right now, that means they like everything in order in their house, everything has a set place, you know, Anybody right now is loving this. If you're a type B right now, you're like, oh, no, what is he talking about? I don't like being planned and organized. But if you're not planned and organized, you're going to be like my friend. You're going to be able to draw that thing, draw a big community together. But within about four weeks, they're going to quit coming because they're going, this, this is meaningless. This is a waste of my time. This doesn't accomplish anything. And... We have to be in planned and we have to be organized. Because I think of it like um, my car. You know, I had a car and I'll never forget it. I put tires on it. I got it aligned. I was, we were driving someplace and I hit, for some reason, there's a bowling ball in the middle of the road. And the car in front of me swerved, but I managed to swerve and hit it dead on. Flat tired, big dent in the rim. You know, so I got off, put the spare on, and it was a horrible disaster. So I took the car to the shop, and I thought, I just bought this tire a week ago. I should just be able to pop a new tire and drive away. But they popped a new tire, and for some reason, the car still was like, wanting to drive. So I had to get it aligned. I had to get it aligned. And the reason I think of this is you never drift into discipleship just like a car never drifts into alignment. It's just not something that just happens. It's not something that you're just like, oh, yeah, we just, our group got together and we've been discipling and, you know, we've been sending people off. It's not, it's not just going to happen. You have to be intentional about that. You have to be intentional about it. So how does God fit in this whole picture? God fits in this picture really, really great because he came to earth and we have four books on him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, the Gospels that teach us all about his life on earth. But not only did he come to earth, but he grabbed 12 guys and he lived life with them. And realistically, that's all discipleship is, is living life in our community, 
but being intentional about it, being planned about it. You know, a lot of times when we come to church, there are certain people that we talk to every Sunday and we're intentional about talking to those people. And that's the people that we really live our life with. I could go around and I could probably squeeze some groups together that are intentional about it. They talk to each other every week. That's a discipleship group, really. You're all learning from each other. You're all talking to one another. And you're all being very intentional about that. And God was too when Jesus came to earth. He was very intentional, very intentional about those 12 guys. And they followed him around for three and a half years. Then he died, was crucified. He came back, back. And at this point, the light bulb went off in their head. And they thought, you know what? We need to be teaching people about what he taught us. That's when all the scriptures from the Old Testament started to make sense. And the last words that he gives to us, if you have your Bible, open to Matthew 28. The last words that he gives to us are kind of like when a person is on their deathbed and everybody's leaning real close and they're all trying to see what's he going to say. They're all leaned in. They're all close because they all know that's important. And this is what he says in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, we've all heard that. If we've ever been in church, we've heard that. We've heard messages preached on that. And a lot of times when we hear that, if you're like me, you're like, oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, I'm going to go eat, you know. And then you just live your life. And because you're not intentionally trying to fulfill that commitment, that command. And as I was reading this, I thought, this is his last words. This is words that we should be thinking of. And it says, I've been given, you have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. That means we've been given all the tools that we need. We've been given God's word. We've been given the Holy Spirit for a believer in him. We have been given a church body that can surround us, love us. And we've also been given so many other resources. I mean, we are in a resource-rich world. I mean, no, no other time in the world have we been able to have so many tools, so many Bibles, so many things to be able to accomplish this mission. So we are able to do this. So we've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And, you know, I really, I underline this, and I have a note in my Bible that says, this isn't when it's convenient. This isn't when it makes sense. This isn't when you feel like it. This is all the time. And if we're real honest, we don't feel like it all the time. We have our bad days. We have our days when we don't want to do it. And I'm going to be the first one to agree with that. And it says, Then the baptize them in the Father, name, Holy Spirit, and teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given to you. You know, the thing I love this about this is, this isn't like in Exodus 20 where he gives out the Ten Commandments and they're long and you have to memorize them. This is a short one or two lines. That means it's really simple. That means if you've become a believer of Jesus last week, or if you've been a believer your whole life, you have all the tools that you need to be able to start doing this. You have all the tools. So we're going to jump down to 
the um, next fill-in, and we need a plan. We need a plan. If you can't tell, I'm a very type A person, so I came up with a plan very quickly. A plan. And now, it'd be one thing for me to say, this is the plan, you guys go and do it, but um, I've been working on this plan this last uh, six, to, six, seven months with a group of guys, and it's amazing. It doesn't take long to send a text message. It doesn't take long to meet with them. And if anything, yeah, I, maybe I'm giving something to those guys, but I'm the one walking away a lot of times more encouraged. I'm the way, one walking away more energized. And maybe they are too, but it's one of those things where I'm saying, you know what, this isn't just a give. This is, I get to take something away too. It's a lot like a missions trip. It's a lot like going to Miracle Camp. You go there to get, but when you come back, you've been given so much and you're so excited. And that's what I loved about the junior higher sharing. That's what I love. So our plan for disciple, the P, the P, pour over the whole Bible, New Testament, Gospels. That means pour over. That means don't just read it to say, yep, I checked that one off today, you know. Yep, I, I, I got milk for my wife. I got bread for them. You know, I shoveled the snow. You know, I mowed the grass. This isn't just a check, a check mark. This is a pour over it. Actually think about it. Dwell upon it. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, but I'm still, I'm still reading through and I'm going, okay, have I ever read this? Did somebody put this part in there? You know, because this has never hit me before. And I'm going, man, this is good. This is good. If we don't have an opportunity to pour into the Bible, we don't have an opportunity to get into it, it's not just going to happen. The Bible isn't just going to magically show up one day and it's going to be open and we're going to have that, oh, you know, it's just not going to happen. And we're going to be like, oh, this is awesome. We have to have a plan. And I, lo- I mean, our, our group, we use the U version. It's electronic. It happens all by itself. It updates. They send you an email. They send you a text message saying, do this, do that. It's awesome. And, you know, we're doing the whole Bible. But the thing I love about it is you can do just a New Testament. You can do the Gospels. You can break it down and just read sections that you think, okay, you know what? I don't think I can read the whole Bible, three and a half chapters a day, but I can read the Gospels a chapter a day. I can fit that in my schedule. So pour over it. And, you know, as I thought about this, I thought Jesus knew the scriptures, and if we want to be more like him, we need to continue to read, memorize, and study his word, his word. If we want to be more like Jesus, we got to be in his word. We got it. We have to. It isn't one of those things that Jesus said, when you have time, when it feels good, when, you know, everything's rosy, you know, he said, you just have to do it. You have to do it. It's kind of like Nike. Just do it. Just do it. So some scriptures that go along with this, we're not going to jump in these today, but you can look these up later. John 1, 1, Psalm 1, 19, 11, and verses 16, Hebrews 4, 12. Those would all be some scriptures that go right along with that. And I love the one from John. It says, in the beginning was the word. I mean, that, that one sums it up right there. And going, wow, we need to get into his word. Okay, the second one, the L in the plan, local community. We need to be in a local community. We need to be in a body. And 
This one's really hard in our Mick world, I'll call it. We all kind of like things our way. We all kind of like to do things our way. I mean, I think if I were to ask everybody to raise their hand that likes to do their own thing at some time, we'd all raise our hands. We all would. Thank you, Roger. You make me feel good. But we'd all raise our hands. And the thing is, we have to grab that local community, grab those people around us, and we have to be intentional about that. It doesn't just happen. And Jesus knew it just didn't happen. As Jesus walked along, he didn't say, hey, you know, rich young ruler, if you want to today, you can follow me. He said, sell everything, get rid of everything, follow me. And the guy said, well, you know what? I need to bury somebody. He said, no, no, everything. You're all in or you're all out. And we need to realize that in a local community, in a local small group, whatever you want to call it, we're either in or we're out. Because everybody realizes when you're kind of in between, everybody knows when you quit showing up, you know, when you're not there all the time, everybody realizes they're not really sold. They're not really involved. So we need to be all in. A scripture that talks about this would be Acts 2, 42. And in that, in that, the summary of it is, it's just a summary of what the early church did. And fellowship was so, so important to the early church because they realized they were going to have their good days, their bad days, but no matter what, in either of those days, they needed each other. They needed each other. Okay, the A, the A, the announce. Announce when you are going to meet. Announce when you're going to meet. Now, why does this help? Because I'm going to pick on Mindy up here again. If Mindy said, I want to do a women's Bible study, we're going to meet nine-ish, done, 10-ish, six, 10 weeks, eh. Some of us, some of us would be like, I'm in, I'm in, totally in, yes. But there's other ones of us that'd be like, I don't know, I don't know. This ish kind of scares me. You know, they want to know when something's going to end or start. They're going to want to know when something's going to end and how long it's going to last. I'll never forget, never forget when I coached sitting down and having the coach say, okay, practice is going to start this time. It's going to end at this time because the parents are going to pick them up. And if we're not done by this time, we will get calls. We will get in trouble. And you hand out the schedule and you say, this is when the first practice is. This is when the last practice is. You don't ever have a sports team. You don't ever have a job. You don't ever have anything else that says, you can show up nine-ish, leave five-ish, I'll pay-ish you. No, they, they, you, you have all these things worked out when you show up. Because the first time they said, well, you know, I didn't feel like paying you for 40 hours. I just felt like paying you for 20 hours this week. You'd say, well, I don't feel like showing up anymore. I'm done. So you have to announce when it's going to happen. And that's one of the things that we have to do. So I love what Steve's doing. Another pick on Steve. You know, he announced this is when it's going to start. This is when it's going to end. This is how long it's going to last. That doesn't mean you can't stick around afterwards and chat. That doesn't mean you can't get there beforehand and chat. But that means there's a set time. And we love that in a community. I mean, that's one of the things that every community likes. I mean, I have heard of churches that they start when they feel like starting and they end when they feel like ending. Who here would like that? 
Nobody. Nobody raised their hand. That would scare me. This, this, this pastor I was talking to said, yeah, church is supposed to start about 10. Sometimes we start about 11. And I said, so when do you end? When we feel like it. Sometimes we go six, seven hours. I went, when do you eat? What do the kids do? Do people leave? <laughs> and he goes, well, you know, not a lot of people show up that we don't know. And they said, you know, if people don't like it, they just don't come that Sunday. And I said, yeah, I can see why. Because there's no start, there's no end. And that's what happens when we don't do discipleship that way. The last one is the N, the nations. And can I, can I comment on filling in the blank? I am like crazy about when it comes to filling in blanks. I was the person that would sit in the back and be like, oh, I can guess this. I can guess this. I can guess this. And then I would not guess right, and you'd see it crossed out. So if you were to look at my sheets from the last two weeks, there's lots of crossed out things because I thought I came up with what it should be. Um, but nations, we are to take Christ everywhere. We're not just, I mean, a lot of times we focus on the ends of the earth. We don't focus on our Jerusalem, our area around us. But each and every one of us has been given people around us that don't know Christ, or maybe they do know Christ, but they haven't been discipled. They haven't been, you know, said, this probably isn't the way as a follower of Christ you should treat. No, and you fill in the blank there. So, um, oh, and jumping back to announce too, I forgot to give you a scripture on that. It's 1 Corinthians 11, 1. And the thing I love about that scripture is it says, to paraphrase, follow me as I follow Christ. If your leadership is saying, hey, we're going to disciple, then we, as we follow Christ, we encourage everybody else to get on the bandwagon and follow Christ. And this isn't some church growth, blah, blah, blah technique. This is what Jesus said we're supposed to do. And if we are evangelizing and discipling people, we're going to grow. Maybe this church isn't going to grow, but we're going to grow as a body. Because I just heard some startling statistics. They said that Christianity in the United States in the last five to seven years has not grown. It's actually stayed the same. So that tells me, you know what? We're not so good at that evangelism discipleship if we're not growing as a body in the United States. So that would be the scripture there. And the scripture for nations would be the scripture we're in right now. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We have to be intentional about this. So, this is the part where I love where we get to dream a little bit. What would it mean if we were to all take two or three people, guys, guys, girls, girls, for a follower of Jesus? If you're not a follower, you can kind of just maybe zone out now. I mean, you probably have a cool game on your phone or something. Um, but if you're a follower of Jesus, what would it mean... If we were to be intentional in this year and say, hey, I want to sit down with two guys, not because I have all the answers, not because I'm super spiritual, not because any of this, but just disciple and say, hey, I want to pour into you. And then in a year, I want you to go out and grab two guys and pour into them. What would that do in our congregation? That would transform lives. So I'm going to, I'm going to, pick on the group that I did. I had four ideas, four ideas about eight months ago, and um, I contacted them. 
I said, the first one we're going to do is we're going to meet weekly. Meet weekly. That's hard. I mean, I have senior high guys. I mean, any parent of a senior hire, wow, I feel for you. I mean, their schedules are all over the place. I mean, their practice schedule, their band schedule, their school schedule dictates everything. Dictates everything. And with guys, their belly dictates the other half. Um, But we're going to meet weekly. Meet weekly. That's hard. That's hard for all of us. But that's one of the things that we said. The other thing is we said we are going to share Christ weekly. Share Christ. Um, That's really hard too. That's really hard because we all want to look cool. We all have this certain personification of ourselves. We all have the people that, well, I'm not really sure they know Christ. Maybe they do. Sometimes I think they do. Maybe they don't. So we're always kind of like tiptoeing. Should I share Christ with them? Are they still going to be my friend if I share Christ with them? Am I allowed to share Christ with them at work? You know, we're always kind of worried. Are they going to think I'm the weirdo that, you know, dumps people with their Bible if I share Christ with them? But we said, we're going to share Christ. And what did that mean for me? That means, that goes back to 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. If I'm saying we're going to share Christ, I have to go out and share Christ. I have to do that. Now, why is that important? Because if I'm not doing it, nobody else can be following behind me as I follow Christ. So I have had the awkward, horrible, intentional experiences each and every week where I've had people swear at me. I've had people, you know, say all sorts of things, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But the thing is, it's caused me to be bold in my faith. So that's the two. Meet weekly, intentional about sharing our faith. Next one is we're reading through God's Word, reading through the whole Bible. Now, this is where I get very transparent with you folks. In college, we had to do it twice. So I did it twice. I did it uh, two years ago. But realistically, I was kind of doing the piecemeal thing that a lot of Christians do. You know, getting up in the morning, doing that daily devotion, you know, the Oswald Chambers, which is awesome. But getting that one verse, living off that one verse, you know, and then Oswald Chambers, two or three you know, paragraphs, and then going on with life. And the thing I started noticing was if I ate like that, if I said, you know what, I don't want all those peas, I just want one. Oh, that's so good. So good. I would starve eventually. I would become extremely skinny and starve. Obviously, I'm not doing any of those. But um, we as Christians, we need to be, our intake needs to be enough to nourish us and give us strength and wisdom. So that's, a, that's the third thing. And the last thing was, we were going to meet a year, and then they were going to go out and do the same thing again. That means that we had a start and an end date. And then they were going to be charged to do it again. Now, as I've researched, as I've looked at discipleship movements, um, I've realized one thing. A lot of times, we're really good at getting that group of guys, girls together, whatever, and we're good at meeting and we're becoming good friends, but we're not good at the last one, saying, you know what, at some point we're going to stop and we're going to start over. And they said, how do you judge if you're successful? How do you judge if you're successful? And they said, you can't judge if you're successful until the guys you disciple go out and disciple somebody and they do it again. So you have to wait. They said, 
anywhere from two to five years before you can even find out if that one year of time you put in was even successful. So my challenge is this. One of our core beliefs of the church is that we're going to be a discipling church. So as you think about this, on the bottom of your page, on the bottom of your page, I'm sure some people have come to your minds, who are you going to meet with? And this doesn't mean make new friends just to make new friends. Think about the group of people you hang out with all the time. About the group of guys you hang out with all the time. Who are you going to say intentionally and go to them and say, hey, you know what? I'd love to study God's word with you. I'd love to, you know, start discipling you. Not because I'm better. Not because you're not. None of that stuff. Just because I want to do this together. And then say, you know, we're going to meet this time. We're going to do this for a year. And then I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing again. There has to be two people in everybody's life that we could do this. I know um, as I look out, I see the elders. That's really what Rex, Pastor Rex challenged us to do on Tuesday at the elders meeting. He challenged us to come up with some names, to go ahead and do that, because if that's important to us, and that's where we're headed, and that's what God's Word told us to do, then we need to be intentional about doing that. So I'm going to have the worship team come forward. We're going to sing that great song again. Um, and then I have a little bit of a story slash something I read that really, I thought, summarized the whole thing. Um, my kids have a, a magnetic board where you draw on it and the, the files all come to it. Anybody that has kids knows what I'm talking about. Um, it'd be the same as a magnet with filings, you know, that you move it and all the files follow that magnet around. And really, that's what being a disciple is. We're all trying to follow Jesus and we're all getting in line and as those, those filings, those metal filings get magnified, what happens? More people, more files come to it. And before too long, you're not just dragging one or two files, you're dragging a long line of files. And that's really what we want to do. We want to be dragging along a lot of people, a lot of followers, a lot of disciples, a lot of learners, whatever you want to call it, of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus your name is powerful. Your name is mighty. Your name has so many, so many things that I could say about it. But Lord, I just pray that your name would cause us to reach out to those around us, cause us to be the love of Christ to those around us. Lord, as we get ready to leave today, I pray that each and every one of us go be the church. And Lord, the, the scripture that just keeps coming to mind is 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. As I follow Christ, follow me. And Lord, I just that would be my prayer for each and every one of us. As we follow Christ, follow us. As the magnet filings follow the magnet. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.